Welcome to the Pro 16 Plus Funding Podcast. In this podcast we're going to take a look at the changes which have taken place in funding guidance uh, since the 1920 allocation was put in place um, and effectively we have some of the most significant changes to the funding formula uh, and significant changes to funding uh, going all the way back to about 2012-2013. Uh, this is the changes which have taken place in the last six months are are huge, um, and it, these appear to have gone probably under the radar quite a, quite a bit. So the idea of this is to to just raise awareness of of what the changes are and what the implications are. First of all, if we take a look at, at what the changes have taken place. Um, the actual basic funding rate has been increased by 4.7%. Uh, we've seen from actually November the 3rd when this was announced, the Level 3 uh, Maths and English premium has been put in place. Uh, there's a high-value course premium and there's been adjustments to course weighting. They, they, they may not seem uh, huge to to anyone there, but but if, if we look at this in terms of what this means to an individual, say an engineering student, under the old funding system, the old processes, the engineering student on a, a full-time course, uh, age 16, 17, was worth £4,000. We had the uplift, which was an additional 1200 which took them to 5200 When we add together the impact of all the changes which have taken place here, um, what we're looking at is that learner actually being worth something like £6,240. So it, a significant change in funding. So, so what I'll do now is I'll, I'll run through each one of the, the changes and take a look at actually what they mean. So if you look at the basic funding rate, this is a 4.7% a increase, which was announced just before the, uh, the summer holidays uh, took place. Uh, so effectively, the band five learners, that's all your 16 and 17 year olds on full time courses. The rate increases from £4,000 for the year to £4,188. The band four, which is effectively what you would call the band four A uh, optimum rate for the 18 and 19 year olds will increase from £3,300 to £3,455. When the 4.7% was announced, people were, were a little disappointed because there'd been a report saying, that post-16 funding was around 20% underfunded and there was a call for the rate to be increased in the region of £4,750 per year. So it went some way, but not all the way that, that people were thinking. Um, so that it, there was a, a little tinge of disappointment. We then went through the the enrolment process in September and completed the, the census, which was submitted and, and finalised at the end of October. Um, and then at the beginning of November, a raft of three changes were put forward, um, which have significant, significant impacts on funding and actually will also or should have significant impacts on, on the way you look at your sixth form, on what you offer uh, and, and actually whether you're going to engage with this change in funding to try and maximise your funding by making a, an offer which generates that optimum funding. So, so, so let's take a, a quick look at what this means. If you look at the Level 3 Maths and English Premium, this relates to learners who have not achieved the 4 to 9 pass in the GCSE Maths and English. 
this isn't condition of funding this is completely separate this is actually a premium that is being paid rather than in terms of condition of funding money taken away for not meeting the requirements so this relates to the learners who have the grades one to three passes gcse maths and english for these learners to to actually be included in the calculation they have to be in a, be doing a substantial level three course and, and what do they mean by a substantial well they set that as at least two a levels or 360 guided learning hours of a level three vocational course or the one of the new t levels so we're talking just learners that are doing this going into a level three course um and, and what are we looking at in terms of what the funding means well it, it comes in in actually four little boxes if, if we think about it the first box is for the learner that doesn't have one of these courses so they, they haven't got english or they haven't got maths and they're on a, a one-year vocational or they're on a, an a-level course well then they get 375 pound as an upfront payment um basically as a premium for, for you taking the risk of them doing a level three course if they haven't got one of them and they're going on to a two-year course then you get 750 pound if the learner has neither maths or english and they're on a one-year course they get 750 pound if they have neither maths or english and they're on a two-year course they get 1500 pound so if we think about the implications for this um because it's an upfront payment and because you get it at the beginning of the program it's an incentive to put the learners on the two-year a-level pathway and on the two-year vocational pathway rather than the one year because you could actually miss out on the money in that second year if they pass the gcse in between so this is this is where they are at the beginning of the program so this is where it differs from the condition of funding which is judged at the end of key stage four this is where they are at the the beginning of the program so the incentive here is to take learners who don't have maths or don't have english or don't have both onto a level three program so that's that's the incentive this will help schools which have more of an open door policy don't have such high prior attainments and actually willing to take a chance on learners and, and you know we're, we're talking quite substantial sums of money which which can be in place the second element that comes along is what we call the high value course premium. This is again targeted at level three learners only. Uh, they have to be doing two selected A-levels or a selected vocational course of at least 360 hours guided, guided learning hours. So effectively a large vocational or a a targeted academic course um, and what we're looking at here is about £400 per year per student <coughs> this is to encourage you to promote these aims and grow them um, so you, you're going to have to do quite a bit of work on looking at what the, the aims are that, that generate the additional funding um, encouraging learners to enrol on them uh, and actually delivering good high quality education this is in my view, it is targeted at a, a post-Brexit economy and it is looking at encouraging science, maths, engineering, construction, uh, those sort of things which will add value to, the to Britain as a 
an international economy when we are outside Europe, uh, and this is how how they are seeking to justify this additional four hundred pound per year. So let's take a look at what the A levels are. The A levels are biology, chemistry, computer science, design and technology, electronics, further maths, maths, physics, and statistics. And to recap here you need to be doing two from that list so anybody doing the full science suite of biology chemistry and physics they're fine if people are doing maths and further maths that's fine if people are doing maths and computer science that's great or electronics and computer science uh, anything around that where you get two of the aims together then you will generate that that 400 pound per year premium um we a lot of the guidance talks about enrolments, it doesn't talk about completions, it doesn't talk about retained status, but that may become clearer when the actual um, allocation toolkit and the explanatory note come out in February for when this is introduced for academic year 2021. If you want to take a look at where you are, you need to be looking back at your data that you've submitted in the October 2018 census to work out how many qualifying aims you have. If we now look at the, the vocational aims which fall into this category, um, it, again, as I say, it has to be level three, it has to be 360 learning hours uh, and have it set as core. So what we're looking at is sector subject area 4.1, which is engineering, sector subject area 4.2, manufacturing and technology, sector subject area 4.3, transport, operations and maintenance, so effectively vehicle maintenance is part of that. Sector subject area 5.1, building and construction. Sector subject area 6.1, ICT for practitioners. So if you've got learners that are doing a vocational course, set as core in all of those areas, then you will receive that premium, provided it is level three, provided it is 360 hours. So again, the incentive is to go for the longer two-year courses, the bigger courses, get learners set on them, and and have them engaged in that so that that's the the aim there it is very much industry orientated it's around things which will benefit the economy um this is shouldn't be confused with advanced math premium because that is separate that is continuing and will continue and it shouldn't be confused with the cost weighting this is a separate little box which has been added onto the funding formula and will be added as a lump sum so again what you're going to have to do is look at your 2018 census work out how many qualifying learners you've got and then come up with a calculation which shows what the value of this should be so this will impact on school six forms which are delivering academic subjects um and have a concentration on the STEM subjects. So if you are an academic sixth form delivering STEM, you will benefit from this. If you are a vocational orientated school delivering the engineering, building and construction and ICT, you will benefit from this as well. So that's that's where you are. That those are the, the areas that will will benefit. Uh, so it's a, it's across the sector. Um, the other thing that's taken place is a, a revision of programme cost weightings. Um, and effectively, six new sector subject area tier twos have, or six, six sector subject area tier twos have had adjustments made to them. Uh, those sector subject areas are 2.1 science, 4.1 engineering, 4.2 manufacturing technology, 4.3 transport operations and maintenance, 
5.2 building and construction, 7.4 hospital, hospitality and catering. So that's that's the the six sector subject areas. What's happened is two new levels have been added in terms of cost weighting. There's now, now a new low level, which is a 1.1 uplift, 10% uplift, and a very high, which has gone to 1.4. So if you go through each one of those sector subject areas and look at what the implications are, if we're looking at 2.1 science, that was originally at base, so people who did the BTEC sciences, they didn't get any uplift. Now there will be a 10% uplift, 1.1 low. So each one of those learners will generate 10% additional funding if that is set as the core aim. If we look at 4.1 engineering, that was previously at high 1.3, it now moves to very high 1.4. The manufacturing technology, exactly the same, it moves from 1.3 to 1.4. If we look at 4.3, the transport operations and maintenance, that moves from 1.2 to 1.3. 5.2 building the construction, again moves from 1.2 to 1.3. 7.4 hospitality and catering from 1.2 to 1.3. We can see here that there's some duplication between that and the high value program. So this is where, where we look at it and you can get a, a massive advantage if you have a learner doing engineering because they will not only get the additional 400 and odd pound of uplift for the program cost weighting, but they'll also get the 400 pound of the high value program. So an engineering learner is actually going to be worth an additional £800 to you uh, that they were the previous year. The overall impact on the schools I've, I've looked at, I've looked at a, a few bits and pieces of data for schools that we work with. Most schools benefit to the tune of somewhere between 7 and 19%. Right? At the higher end they are vocational schools or UTCs where, where this takes place with high amounts of engineering uh, students so at a, at a sort of 19-20% and it is UTCs doing engineering which benefit. Every school will benefit to the tune of 4.7%. The schools which take on board learners who don't have the GCSE maths and English will, will benefit from the level 3 maths and English premium. The schools which are STEM schools will benefit from the high value programme um, because they'll be doing two or more A-levels, and vocational school, schools, UTCs, delivering engineering, will benefit from both the high-value programme and the cost-weighting adjustments. So there's quite a lot in there. So what sort of things should should you be thinking of now as heads of six forms? What sort of things should your senior leadership team be thinking of? You should be taking a look at your offer, what, what you're offering, and how many of those aims are likely to generate additional funding. And are they popular combinations? Are they things you can promote to generate additional funding? What is your entry requirements? Are you prepared now to take more of a risk to take a learner that hasn't got English and maths because there's some additional funding there? Um, these, these are all the sort of things that should be going through your head. You should be having a, a think about um, that what you're going to be doing is putting things in place for the 2019 census but in, ter in funding terms you won't see the impact of your structural changes to your curriculum if you were to make them until the academic year 22-23 in terms of funding currently the 2021 funding will be based on what you submitted in october 
18. The 21-22 will be what you submitted in October 19. And then when you go forward, it will actually be the 22-23, which will be the, the first set where you are actually from now on be able to influence what the funding is. But the, the message is quite clear. Move towards teaching things which, ben which the government sees as benefiting the economy. Um, so that's, that's it. That's where we are. Um, I hope you found this useful. I hope you think it will, will set a, a few hairs running within your school as to, to what you offer and your approach to post-16 funding. Um, if you need any help or any assistance, if you're an existing client, we're there, you know where we are. If you're not and you want to talk to us about what we can offer and how we can support you, please get in touch. Email address is paul at pro16plus.com. Have a good day. Have a good think about this. And um, I hope you'll find it about 17 minutes of uh, fairly useful stuff. Thank you very much. Welcome to a Pro 16 Plus funding podcast on the 16 to 19 bursary um, for academic year 2021. We have seen that the actual bursary methodology has changed and it has had quite a lot of impact on funding that individual schools will be receiving so i thought it would be worthwhile just running through the actual bursary allocation process uh, and a bit of background on the bursary itself this is not about actually developing your bursary policy it is an explanation of why you have got the amount of money that you have got and why it has changed uh, since last year why, why the basis for delivering it has changed since last year so let, let's run with a a quick background of, of how the bursary came about. Um, it was introduced to replace EMA in 2011-12 academic year. Basically, when the coalition government came to power, there was a massive emphasis on cutting costs and uh, basically 16 to 19 bursary was a poor person's um, version of EMA, a lot less funding for the individual student instead of the, the funding coming directly from uh, the LSC as it was then via their EMA specialist unit who paid the student direct. The money was given to schools, schools developed their own policy for the bursary and handed the, the directly to their students. Uh, so effectively it was uh, central government and DF taking a, a step away from the delivery and administration of bursary and placing the responsibility firmly in the hands of schools themselves to look at how they handle the money, deliver it um, and be accountable for it. Pretty much the, the standard sort of approach. So, so let's have a look at, at what that, that meant. Um, the decision was made fairly late to do this uh, and they had to cobble together a process on the hoof. I think I'm being kind here when I say cobble together a process on the hoof. Um, basically, what, what they did was they said, OK, we'll look at the 2009 EMA data. Um, we'll look at the number of learners that each school had in the upper band that, that were receiving at that stage, £30, 30 pound per week. We'll work that out as a proportion of their overall learners in academic year 2009-10 and what we'll say is this is the amount of money that they get based on based on that um so it was very much a a crude and quick method of delivering a small amount of money uh in a relatively simple way 
for DFE to calculate how much you were going to get. Problem being now, as we are coming towards the end of academic year 1920, we're looking at data which is based on 2009. Um, it's based on a proportion of learners that you had in 2009 with, with, the, with the, the upper range of EMA. So it's very old and very tired data. Um, there's been significant local changes. We, we've seen people, entire new housing estates developed. The nature of a cohort has changed over time. And we've also seen a lot of new institutions come into play. Uh, the UTCs, the free schools, people have introduced new sixth forms in that time period. And they've had to be done on effectively what are local authority averages to, to actually create a, a cobbled together bursary funding. So over over time, it's become increasingly out of step, and ESFA have, as they are now, YPLA as they were before, um, have attempted various approaches to update it, but have on several occasions given up because the it created massive volatility. Uh, but increasingly, as the data has become older and older, we have a situation whereby um, it is not. It's not been good enough to, to go forward. Um, so the pressure has really come on to make a change, and that's the, the background for the change. So in February, March 2019, they launched a consultation um, and decided on a new approach, which they've taken into to place. And you actually see the impact of this in your allocation statements, which came through uh, last month, or sorry, in February 2020. And if you're a maintained school, you'll find that in Table 4, which will be on about page 4 or 5 of your allocation statement. And if you're an academy, it will be Table 5, again on page 4 or 5 of your 16 to 19 uh, allocation statement. So, if we look at the way it's been calculated, the way, the way they've, they've worked at it, um, they, they've put together a couple of elements and effectively element one is based on the learner's postcode which is linked to the indices of multiple deprivation 2015 um, which is a similar approach to what they have used for disadvantage within the main formula but instead of giving a, an individual uh, uplift for a, a lower super output area or, or a postcode what they've done is they've grouped the lower super output areas from the postcodes into into actual sections. So effectively, if you are in in the most deprived nine percent of low super areas in the country, every learner from there will attract one instance. If you are between nine and eighteen, it will attract zero point eight instances, and if you are between eighteen and twenty seven, it will in attract zero point six instances, and if you are above the the most deprived 27% lower superpower areas, you get no increases. And you, you actually see this within your allocation toolkit. One of the things that we have to bear in mind here is that for your 2021 allocation, the data they're using are the learners who are with you in academic year 18-19, that is to say those that were with you on the October 18 census. So when you have learners coming on board in September 20, the bursary funding you've got is actually based on the learners who were with you in October 18. So most of those learners have already gone and departed. 
So once they've got the number of instances, they total up the total number of instances, the number of funded learners that you had in 2018, and that gives you the instances per student, they then apply that to the number of learners that you had in October 19, and that gives you the amount of funding that you have in terms of the element one block. Um, as I say, all the individuals that are impacted in there, where they are and how much uplift, that's actually detailed in the allocation calculation toolkit. Element two is around travel distance. It's based on the 60% most deprived um, indices of multiple deprivation. Uh, the maximum value per student is one, um, and it's based on the, the distance that they, they travel. Um, It, it works in two ways. If the area that the learner comes from is described as rural, you get an uplift of 0.5 instances. So anybody from a rural area in the 60% most deprived is worth half, half an instance. Um, then what they do is they take the straight line distance from the school, or actually where the delivery is taking place, which is normally the, the main office of the, the school, they take that to the learner's postcode. So if you're coming from over 20 kilometres away, you'll get 0 0.5. So, so to get one instance, you need to be over 20 kilometres away and in a rural area to get a, a full instance per learner. If you're between 10 and 20 kilometres, you get 0 0.333. If you're between 3 and 10 kilometres, you get 0 0.167. And if you are under 3 kilometres, you get nothing. Um, if the learner lives in the London Travel to Learn area, uh, the uh, instances are halved. So effectively what they're saying is it is cheaper to travel in London because of the, the underground and the connected system. So you, you get a, a greater distance there. Um, there's an element 2B which, which relates to T levels. So at this stage we will, we will ignore that and say that that is not going to be a factor for most schools going forward. So effectively that that is where we are um and in your breakdown the first couple of lines of your actual um allocation statement around the, the relevant table are how your actual calculated allocation is is made up and it will tell you how much you've got for element 1a and how much you've got for element 2a and how much for element 2b so that that gives you the, the total calculated figure um, that then is what you would get if the new methodology was being implemented straight away. But what ESFA have said is because of the volatility, because of the way it is, they don't want people to have too great an increase or too massive a reduction. So what they have done is they have looked at the bursary that you got in 1920, uh, not adjusted for number changes in 2021, and said... If you have a reduction, you will only suffer a 25% reduction um, from that baseline. If you have an increase, you only get a 25% increase from the baseline in that first year in 21-22. Um, if you're in 20, when we move to, uh, sorry, in 2021, when you move to 21-22, 
you will only suffer a maximum of a 50% reduction or a 50% increase. In 22-23, you will have this up to a 75% reduction and up to a 175% increase. And then by 24-25, you'll have the full implementation. If your figures already fall below that 25% reduction or increase in that first year, then you'll get the full amount and that will, will continue through. So again, one of the things that you need to do when you look at that is what is the difference? What is the percentage change? How is that likely to impact us in years going forward? Um, it, it doesn't sound too much of a change, but when you see some of the, the impacts that, that we have on, on this, um, we have seen changes which have been as much as a 97% drop in the bursary. Uh, one particular sixth form that was having around 50 odd thousand pounds is going to drop over the, that four year period to about 1500 pounds. We've also seen another one that's got a 150% rise because actually the cohort they've got is far more deprived than, than when they were based on local averages. So as you can see, because of the volatility that there is, people are going to have major issues going forward because they're going to have to review their bursary policy in line with the new allocation they're going to get and the trajectory of the allocation because it will be pretty pointless going forward to set a new policy for this year then have to review it again and review it again and review it again. It, it may be that you set a, a policy framework and you end up with a, a sliding scale of payments which are reducing or increasing over the next three or four years to account for the changes that have taken place. And one of the things that you're going to have to be aware of going forward each year is when you do the census, what the likely impacts are. Are the learners that you are pulling in significantly different from previous years? Because this could have a significant impact on your bursary going forward. Um, it's a very, very difficult time. And I actually see as we enter the, the COVID crisis and people start to return to school in September, people will have, ha have faced short-term major financial disruptions within the family and the bursary policy is going to have to support them through those first few months and some schools are going to be faced with that with with a 25 percent reduction from this year's figure and that's going to create real hardships and real headaches for leaders within the sixth form so i know people are thinking at the moment about how they're going to set up their sixth form for next year one of the things you have to look at is where are we in terms of bursary where are we going to do and what can we do so just something to think about i say this is the first of a series of podcasts we would normally be going out on the road doing our workshops in schools we think with the the impacts of the virus schools are probably not going to be available and not going to want us around therefore this is why we're putting this out now and our idea is that going forward we will deliver podcasts lasting ideally no more than 30 minutes which will cover each section of the funding process and give people a chance to take bite-sized views of where we are and hopefully realize that you know we might not be we might not have all the knowledge that we we need and possibly you want to ask us to come on board and assist you with the, getting your funding right and assisting you with managing the data in a way that means you develop optimum funding.
I hope you found this useful. Um, hope to get another one out very, very shortly, probably towards the end of this week, uh, looking at the, the basis of the new funding allocation statement um, and assisting people understanding that. We'll then move on to um, the funding regulations for next year and how they will impact and the things you, that you should be doing to generate optimum funding. If you have any queries, queries or questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me. The email address is paul at pro16, that's P-R-O-1-6, P-L-U-S, pro16plus.com. Paul at pro16plus.com. Thank you. Welcome to a Pro16 Plus funding podcast on the 16 to 19 bursary um, for academic year 2021 we have seen that the actual bursary methodology has changed and it has had quite a lot of impact on funding that individual schools will be receiving so I thought it would be worthwhile just running through the actual bursary allocation process uh, and a bit of background on the bursary itself this is not about actually developing your bursary policy it is an explanation of why you have got the amount of money that you have got and why it has changed uh, since last year why, why the basis for delivering it has changed since last year so let, let's run with a, a quick background of, of how the bursary came about um, it was introduced to replace EMA in 2011-12 academic year basically when the coalition government came to power there was a massive emphasis on cutting costs and uh, basically 16 to 19 bursary was a poor person's um, version of EMA a lot less funding for the individual student instead of the, the funding coming directly from uh, the LSC as it was then via their EMA specialist unit who paid the student direct the money was given to schools schools developed their own policy for the bursary and handed the, the directly to their students uh, so effectively it was central government and DF, DfE taking a, a step away from the delivery and administration of bursary and placing the responsibility firmly in the hands of schools themselves to look at how they handle the money, deliver it, um, and be accountable for it. Pretty much the, the standard sort of approach. So so let's have a look at, at what that, that meant. Um, the decision was made fairly late to do this, uh, and they had to cobble together a process on the hoof. I think I'm being kind here when I say cobble together a process on the hoof. Um, basically what, what they did was they said, OK, we'll look at the 2009... EMA data. Um, we'll look at the number of learners that each school had in the upper band that, that were receiving at that stage, 30, 30 pounds per week. We'll work that out as a proportion of their overall learners in academic year 2009-10 and what we'll say is this is the amount of money that they get based on, based on that. Um, so it was very much a a crude and quick method of delivering a small amount of money uh, in a relatively simple way for DFE to calculate how much you were going to get. Problem being now, as we are coming towards the end of academic year 1920, 
we're looking at data which is based on 2009. Um, it's based on a proportion of learners that you had in 2009 with, with, the, with the, the upper range of EMA. So it's very old and very tired data. Um, there's been significant local changes. We, we've seen people, entire new housing estates developed. The nature of a cohort has changed over time. And we've also seen a lot of new institutions come into play. Uh, the UTCs, the free schools, people have introduced new sixth forms in that time period. And they've had to be done on effectively what are local authority averages to, to actually create a, a cobbled together bursary funding. So over over time, it's become increasingly out of step, and ESFA have, as they are now, YPLA as they were before, um, have attempted various approaches to update it, but have on several occasions given up because the it created massive volatility. Uh, but increasingly, as the data has become older and older, we have a situation whereby um, it is not. It's not been good enough to, to go forward. Um, so the pressure has really come on to make a change, and that's the, the background for the change. So in February, March 2019, they launched a consultation um, and decided on a new approach, we, which they've taken into to place. And you actually see the impact of this in your allocation statements, which came through uh, last month, or sorry, in February 2020. And if you're a maintained school, you'll find that in table four, which will be on about page four or five of your allocation statement. And if you're in academy, it will be table five, again on page four or five of your 16 to 19 uh, allocation statement. So if we look at the way it's being calculated, the way, the way they've, they've worked at it, um, they, they've put together a couple of elements and effectively element one is based on the learner's postcode which is linked to the indices of multiple deprivation 2015 um, which is a similar approach to what they have used for disadvantage within the main formula but instead of giving a, an individual uh, uplift for a, a lower super output area or, or a postcode what they've done is they've grouped the lower super output areas from the postcodes into into actual sections so effectively if you are in in the most deprived nine percent of low super outputs in the country every learn from there will attract one instance if you are between nine and eighteen it will attract 0.8 instances and if you're between eighteen and twenty seven it will impact in attract 0.6 instances and if you're above the the most deprived 27% low superabit areas, you get no increases. And you, you actually see this within your allocation toolkit. One of the things that we have to bear in mind here is that for your 2021 allocation, the data they're using are the learners who are with you in academic year 18-19, that is to say those that were with you on the October 18 census. So when you have learners coming on board in September 20, the bursary funding you got is actually based on the learners who were with you in October 18. So most of those learners have already gone and departed. So once they've got the number of instances, they total the total number of instances, the number of funded learners that you had in 2018, and that gives you the instances per student, they then 
apply that to the number of learners that you had in October 19 and that gives you the amount of funding that you have in terms of the element one block um, and I say all the individuals that are impacted in there where they are and how much uplift that's actually detailed in the allocation calculation toolkit Element two is around travel distance. It's based on the 60% most deprived um, indices of multiple deprivation. Uh, the maximum value per student is one. Um, and it's based on the, the distance that they, they travel. Um, it, it works in two ways. If the area that the learner comes from is described as rural, you get an uplift of 0.5 instances so anybody from a rural area in the 60 percent most deprived is worth half half an instance um, then what they do is they take the straight line distance from the school or actually where the delivery is taking place which is normally the the main office of the the school they take that to the learner's postcode so if you're coming from over 20 kilometers away you'll get 0.5 so, so to get one instance you need to be over 20 kilometers away and in a rural area to get a, a full instance per learner if you're between 10 and 20 kilometers you get 0.333 if you're between 3 and 10 kilometers you get 0.167 and if you are under 3 kilometers you get nothing um, if the learner lives in the London travel to learn area uh, the uh, instances are halved so effectively what they're saying is it is cheaper to travel in London because of the the underground and the connected system so you, you get a, a greater distance there um, there's an element 2b which which relates to T levels so at this stage we will we will ignore that and say that that is not going to be a factor for most schools going forward so effectively that that is where we are um, and in your breakdown the first couple of lines of your actual um, allocation statement around the, the relevant table are how your actual calculated allocation is is made up and it will tell you how much you got for element 1a and how much you've got for element 2a and how much for element 2b so that that gives you the, the total calculated figure um, that then is what you would get if the new methodology was being implemented straight away but what ESFA have said is because of the volatility because of the way it is they don't want people to have too great an increase or too massive a reduction so what they have done is they have looked at the bursary that you got in 1920 uh, not adjusted for number changes in 2021 and said if you have a reduction, you will only suffer a 25% reduction um, from that baseline. If you have an increase, you only get a 25% increase from the baseline in that first year in 21-22. Um, if you're in, 20, when we move to, uh, sorry, in 2021, when you move to 21-22, you will only suffer a maximum of a 50% reduction or a 50% increase. In 22-23, you will have this up to a 75% reduction and up to a 175% increase. 
and then by 24 or 25 you'll have the full implementation. If your figures already fall below that 25% reduction or increase in that first year, then you'll get the full amount and that will, will continue through. So again, one of the things that you need to do when you look at that is what is the difference, what is the percentage change, how is that likely to impact us in years going forward. Um, It, it doesn't sound too much of a change, but when you see some of the, the impacts that, that we have on, on this, um, we have seen changes which have been as much as a 97% drop in the bursary. Uh, one particular sixth form that was having around 50-odd thousand pounds is going to drop over the, that four-year period to about £1,500. We've also seen another one that's got a 150% rise because actually the cohort they've got is far more deprived than than when they were based on local averages. So as you can see, because of the volatility that there is, people are going to have major issues going forward because they're going to have to review their bursary policy in line with the new allocation they're going to get and the trajectory of the allocation because it will be pretty pointless going forward to set a new policy for this year then have to review it again and review it again and review it again. It, it may be that you set a, a policy framework and you end up with a, a sliding scale of payments which are reducing or increasing over the next three or four years to account for the changes that have taken place. And one of the things that you're going to have to be aware of going forward each year is when you do the census what the likely impacts are are the learners that you are pulling in significantly different from previous years because this could have a significant impact on your bursary going forward um it's a very very difficult time and i actually see as we enter the the covid crisis and people start to return to school in september people will have, ha have faced short-term major financial disruptions within the family and the bursary policy is going to have to support them through those first few months and some schools are going to be faced with that with with a 25 percent reduction from this year's figure and that's going to create real hardships and real headaches for leaders within the sixth form so i know people are thinking at the moment about how they're going to set up their sixth form for next year one of the things you have to look at is where are we in terms of bursary where are we going to do and what can we do so just something to think about i say this is the first of a series of podcasts we would normally be going out on the road doing our workshops in schools we think with the the impacts of the virus schools are probably not going to be available and not going to want us around therefore this is why we're putting this out now and our idea is that going forward we will deliver podcasts lift lasting ideally no more than 30 minutes which will cover each section of the funding process and give people a chance to take bite-sized views of where we are and hopefully realize that you know we might not be <laughs> we might not have all the knowledge that we we need and possibly you want to ask us to come on board and assist you with the, getting your funding right and assisting you with managing the data in a way that means you develop optimum funding. I hope you found this useful. Um, hope to get another one out very, very shortly, probably towards the end of this week, uh, looking at the, the basis of 
the new funding allocation statement um, and assisting people understanding that. We'll then move on to um, the funding regulations for next year and how they will impact and the things you, that you should be doing to generate optimum funding. If you have any queries, queries or questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me. The email address is paul at pro16, that's P-R-O-1-6, P-L-U-S, pro16plus.com. Paul at pro16plus.com. Thank you. Welcome to a Pro16 Plus funding podcast on the 16 to 19 bursary um, for academic year 2021. We have seen that the actual bursary methodology has changed and it has had quite a lot of impact on funding that individual schools will be receiving. So I thought it would be worthwhile just running through the actual bursary allocation process uh, and a bit of background on the bursary itself. This is not about actually developing your bursary policy. It is an explanation of why you have got the amount of money that you have got and why it has changed uh, since last year, why, why the basis for delivering it has changed since last year. So let, let's run with a, a quick background of, of how the bursary came about. Um, it was introduced to replace EMA in 2011-12 academic year. Basically, when the coalition government came to power, there was a massive emphasis on cutting costs and uh, basically 16 to 19 bursary was a poor person's um, version of EMA, a lot less funding for the individual student instead of the, the funding coming directly from uh, the LSC as it was then via their EMA specialist unit who paid the student direct. The money was given to schools. Schools developed their own policy for the bursary and handed the, the directly to their students. Uh, so effectively it was uh, central government and DF, DFE taking a, a step away from the delivering administration of bursary and placing the responsibility firmly in the hands of schools themselves to look at how they handle the money, deliver it, um, and be accountable for it. Pretty much the, the standard sort of approach. So so let's have a look at, at what that, that meant. Um, the decision was made fairly late to do this, uh, and they had to cobble together a process on the hoof. I think I'm being kind here when I say cobble together a process on the hoof. Um, basically what, what they did was they said, OK, we'll look at the 2009... EMA data. Um, we'll look at the number of learners that each school had in the upper band that, that were receiving at that stage, 30, 30 pound per week. We'll work that out as a proportion of their overall learners in academic year 2009-10. And what we'll say is this is the amount of money that they get based on, based on that. Um, so it was very much a a crude and quick method of delivering a small amount of money uh, in a relatively simple way for DFE to calculate how much you were going to get. Problem being now, as we are coming towards the end of academic year 1920, we're looking at data which is based on 2009. Um, it's based on a proportion of learners that you had in 2009 with, with the with the, the upper range of EMA. So it's very old and very tired data. Um, 
there's been significant local changes. We, we've seen people, entire new housing estates developed. The nature of a cohort has changed over time. And we've also seen a lot of new institutions come into play. Uh, the UTCs, the free schools, people have introduced new sixth forms in that time period. And they've had to be done on effectively what are local authority averages to, to actually create a, a cobbled together bursary funding. So over over time, it's become increasingly out of step, and ESFA have, as they are now, YPLA as they were before, um, have attempted various approaches to update it, but have on several occasions given up because the, it created massive volatility. Uh, but increasingly, as the data has become older and older, we have a situation whereby um, it is not, it's not been good enough to to go forward, um, so the pressure has really come on to make a change, and that's the the background for the change. So in February March twenty nineteen, they launched a consultation, um, and decided on a new approach, which they've taken into to place. And you actually see the impact of this in your allocation statements, which came through uh, last month or sorry in February twenty twenty. And if you're a maintained school, you'll find that in table four, which will be on about page four or five of your allocation statement. And if you're an academy, it will be table five, again on page four or five of your 16 to 19 uh, allocation statement. So if we look at the way it's being calculated, the way, the way they've, they've worked at it, um, they, they've put together a couple of elements and effectively element one is based on the learner's postcode which is linked to the indices of multiple deprivation 2015 um, which is a similar approach to what they have used for disadvantage within the main formula but instead of giving a, an individual uh, uplift for a, a lower super output area or, or a postcode what they've done is they've grouped the lower super output areas from the postcodes into into actual sections so effectively if you are in in the most deprived nine percent of low super areas in the country every learn from there will attract one instance if you are between nine and eighteen it will attract 0.8 instances and if you're between eighteen and twenty seven it will impact in attract 0.6 instances and if you're above the the most deprived 27% low superabit areas, you get no increases. And you, you actually see this within your allocation toolkit. One of the things that we have to bear in mind here is that for your 2021 allocation, the data they're using are the learners who are with you in academic year 1819, that is to say, those that were with you on the October 18 census. So when you have learners coming on board in September, 20 the bursary funding you've got is actually based on the learners who were with you in october 18 so most of those learners have already gone and departed so once they've got the number of instances they total the total number of instances the number of funded learners that you had in 2018 and that gives you the instances per student they then apply that to the number of learners that you had in october 19 and that gives you the amount of funding that you have in terms of the element one block. Um, 
and I say all the individuals that are impacted in there, where they are and how much uplift, that's actually detailed in the allocation calculation toolkit. Element two is around travel distance. It's based on the 60% most deprived um, indices of multiple deprivation. Uh, the maximum value per student is one, um, and it's based on the, the distance that they, they travel. Um, it, it works in two ways. If the area that the learner comes from is described as rural, you get an uplift of 0 0.5 instances so anybody from a rural area in the 60% most deprived is worth half half an instance um, then what they do is they take the straight line distance from the school or actually where the delivery is taking place which is normally the, the main office of the the school they take that to the learner's postcode so if you're coming from over 20 kilometers away you'll get 0 0.5 so, so to get one instance you need to be over 20 kilometres away and in a rural area to get a, a full instance per learner. If you're between 10 and 20 kilometres, you get 0 0.333. If you're between 3 and 10 kilometres, you get 0 0.167. And if you are under 3 kilometres, you get nothing. Um, if the learner lives in the London Travel to Learn area, uh, the uh, instances are halved so effectively what they're saying is it is cheaper to travel in london because of the the underground and the connected system so you, you get a, a greater distance there um there's an element 2b which which relates to t levels so at this stage we will we will ignore that and say that that is not going to be a factor for most schools going forward so effectively that that is where we are um and in your breakdown, the first couple of lines of your actual um, allocation statement around the, the relevant table are how your actual calculated allocation is, is made up. And it will tell you how much you've got for element 1A and how much you've got for element 2A and how much for element 2B. So that, that gives you the, the total calculated figure. Um, that then is what you would get if the new methodology was being implemented straight away. But what ESFA have said is because of the volatility, because of the way it is, they don't want people to have too great an increase or too massive a reduction. So what they have done is they have looked at the bursary that you got in 1920, uh, not adjusted for number changes in 2021, and said if you have... A reduction you will only suffer a 25% reduction um, from that baseline if you have an increase you only get a 25% increase from the baseline in that first year in 21-22 um, if you're in 20 when we move to uh, sorry in 2021 when you move to 21-22 you will only suffer a maximum of a 50% reduction or a 50% increase in 22-23, you will have this up to a 75% reduction and up to a 175% increase. And then by 24-25, you'll have the full implementation. If your figures are already fall below that 25% reduction or increase in that first year, then you'll get the full amount and that will, will continue through. So again, one of the things that you need to do when you look at that is, 
what is the difference what is the percentage change how is that likely to impact us in the years going forward um it, it doesn't sound too much of a change but when you see some of the the impacts that that we have on on this um we have seen changes which have been as much as a 97% drop in the bursary. Uh, one particular sixth form that was having around 50-odd-thousand pounds is going to drop over the, that four-year period to about £1,500. We've also seen another one that's got a 150% rise because actually the cohort they've got is far more deprived than than when they were based on local averages. So as you can see... The, because of the volatility that there is, people are going to have major issues going forward because they're going to have to review their bursary policy in line with the new allocation they're going to get and the trajectory of the allocation because it will be pretty pointless going forward to set a new policy for this year, then have to review it again and review it again and review it again. It, it may be that you set a, a policy framework and you end up with a, a sliding scale of payments which are reducing or increasing over the next three or four years to account for the changes that have taken place. And one of the things that you're going to have to be aware of going forward each year is when you do the census what the likely impacts are are the learners that you are pulling in significantly different from previous years because this could have a significant impact on your bursary going forward um it's a very very difficult time and i actually see as we enter the the covid crisis and people start to return to school in september people will have, ha have faced short-term major financial disruptions within the family and the bursary policy is going to have to support them through those first few months and some schools are going to be faced with that with with a 25% reduction from this year's figure and that's going to create real hardships and real headaches for leaders within the sixth form so I know people are thinking at the moment about how they're going to set up their sixth form for next year one of the things you have to look at is where are we in terms of bursary where are we going to do and what can we do so just something to think about i say this is the first of a series of podcasts we would normally be going out on the road doing our workshops in schools we think with the the impacts of the virus schools are probably not going to be available and not going to want us around therefore this is why we're putting this out now and our idea is that going forward we will deliver podcasts lift lasting ideally no more than 30 minutes which will cover each section of the funding process and give people a chance to take bite-sized views of where we are and hopefully realize that you know we might not be <laughs> we might not have all the knowledge that we we need and possibly you want to ask us to come on board and assist you with the, getting your funding right and assisting you with managing the data in a way that means you develop optimum funding. I hope you found this useful. Um, hope to get another one out very, very shortly, probably towards the end of this week, uh, looking at the, the basis of the new funding allocation statement um, and assisting people understanding that we'll then move on to um, the funding regulations for next year and how they will impact and the things you, that you should be doing to generate optimum funding if you have any queries 
queries or questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me. The email address is paul at pro16, that's P-R-O-1-6, P-L-U-S, pro16plus.com. Paul at pro16plus.com. Thank you.